welcome to episode number 11 of Travels with Squeaky. Travels with Squeaky is a podcast for solo women RVers, campers, and van lifers, and I'm your host, Kathy Belge. This week on the podcast, our guest is Heather Knight. Heather is a solo woman camper, and she came on to talk to us about her unique setup in her Honda Element, about her trip to Descend on Bend, and how she finds the best boondocking spots. So let's jump right in. All right, Heather, Heather Knight, thank you so much for being a guest on the Travels with Squeaky podcast. Happy to be here. So excited to have you. Uh, For our listeners, Heather and I used to work together at Airbnb, and, um, and I've been following her since I've left Airbnb. She is traveling. Uh, She's got a great setup and I want to hear all about that. And then we're going to jump in and talk a little bit about your trip to Descend on Bend. Absolutely. Sounds like a great plan. All right. Great. So Heather, introduce yourself to the audience. Sure. Uh, Yeah. So my name's Heather. Uh, My pronouns are she, her, they, them. Uh, I don't know if you have your folks do that or not, but I just thought. Um, yeah, no. I, so I am currently living in Portland, Oregon. Uh, and by living, I mean house sitting. So I've gone 100% like nomadic. And uh, so essentially I'm not living in my car, but I'm living out of my car. And I have been house sitting since May 1st. Um, trying to do like month long to two week house sits because it's a little bit more trickier to move around a lot. Uh, and uh, and at the end of September, I'll be moving to Arizona, where I'm going to winter in Arizona. Uh, so I have an Airbnb for the first month, and I'm going to try and find a more permanent place to live um, until probably like February. And then at that point, uh, I'll be moving to Italy. Oh, and, all right. Yeah. So I have uh, dual citizenship, and I've been approved to go work remote from Italy for about five months, six months. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That would so, be awesome. Super excited about that. Uh, as far as my rig goes, I have a Honda Element. It's a mm-hmm. 2008. And uh, the current setup is I have a Roof Nest Sparrow rooftop tent uh, on top of it that I sleep out of. And then uh, inside, I have like all my stuff. So I have a Dometic cooler. I have an EcoFlow Delta uh, solar system that or solar generator that I use to power everything. And, uh, and then I just have like all my stuff. Okay. Yeah. So... Here's my first question, Heather, because I've seen these rooftop tents at campgrounds Mm -hmm. and they look a little precarious to me. So can you explain how these rooftop tents work? Yeah, I mean, I think if you have like a fear of heights or something like that, I can see that. Uh, And I do have a bit of a fear of heights, but I have mine is is built on or sits on a really nice platform that I bought from a local Bend, Oregon company called Adventure Truck. Uh, it's designed specifically for the Honda Element. It's very, very stable. Uh, and then as far as like once you get into the rooftop tent, I feel pretty safe. Like I think a lot of it has to do with like how how safe you feel on top of your vehicle and, and also if your vehicle's designed to carry that kind of weight, mm-hmm. right? Um, so there's like static weight and dynamic weight um, that uh, the rooftops are able to carry. So like, and I'm probably going to bungle this up, but if I remember correctly, I think static weight is just like, like while it's like still, still, right? And then dynamic is like if it's in motion. So like if it's in motion, usually it's a lower weight limit than if it's static. So mm. like for instance, the, I think the rooftop tent that I'm in weighs like 130 pounds. I think it's 130 pounds. 
uh, I think, and I believe my rooftop has a capacity of like 150 for both okay. static. Okay. And then. So you're on the edge there. I'm on the edge. And then if you look at the like actual rack, the capacity for the rack is like 500 pounds. Mm. So, and I'm usually the only person sleeping in the rooftop tent at this point in time. Yeah. So I, and so I figure, you know, me with the rooftop tent, we're definitely under that 500 pound mark. So, uh, and you know, the mattress inside it is great, but I picked up a, uh, eek, what's it called? It's called a, uh, Mega Mat Duo. That's what it is. It's called a X-Ped Mega Mat Duo mattress. Okay. What's that do? It is an air mattress for camping and it is one of the most comfortable mattresses I've ever slept on in my life. It's a, it, you have to inflate it, uh -huh. but it has like foam inside of it. So there's this softness to it. But also the firmness of it being mm. an air mattress that just, it, I literally have slept some of the best nights of sleep on this mattress. I got it on Facebook Marketplace for a hundred bucks. The people I bought it off of had used it 10 times and it was a $300 mattress. Oh, wow. So awesome. I feel pretty good about my purchase. Nice. Yeah. That's great. That's great. So I know you're talking about that you're kind of, uh, doing this digital nomad type life right now and you're doing house sits yep. uh, but I also know that you go boondocking a lot yep. and um, I want to hear a little bit more about what your setup is for boondocking and then um, also how you find the places that you like to go sure so my setup is very similar for boondocking as it is for like camping in a campground with one minor adjustment uh, because when you're boondocking, you don't have access to a toilet. And mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer in leaving no trace. And so I've kind of upped my game a little bit as far as, uh, you know, I'm not out there digging cat holes and, you know, and mm -hmm. packing my toilet paper out. Uh, I've taken it up a little notch. Again, Facebook Marketplace, I cannot plug this enough. Uh, I found a, uh, a slight, I think the woman I bought it off of had used it once or twice. She cleaned it. Uh, but I found a folding toilet mm. from this company called Clean Waste. And the way that it works is you set up the toilet. It's got three legs, so it's kind of like a little tripod situation. And then it has this like mesh netting, and then there's these bags that you can buy. You can get them anywhere. You can get them at REI, Cabela's, any outdoor store is going to have these. And it already has like a little bit of poo powder inside, so it actually gels if you urinate, but also has some kind of like um, smell deterrence mm. uh, for uh, for number two. Um, and uh, and so what I have it, the way I have it set up is I have a pop-up tent, like a specific like little pop-up privacy tent. I've seen those at campgrounds. At campgrounds even. Okay, cool. Well, I think with COVID, people have been wanting their own toilets. Okay, yeah. yeah. And so I have one of those and I put my, I put my, my toilet in there. And so I've got privacy, mm -hmm. um, when I'm doing my business and then, uh, usually these bags that I use, uh, I, I change them out usually at night before I go to bed. So I'll do my business all day in the, mm -hmm. in the toilet. And then before I go to bed, I close it up. I tie it off, I put it in the second bag that it comes with, and then it goes in my garbage, and then I take my garbage out with me, and then dispose of it properly when I get back to civilization. So, so. just in the trash? Yep, in the trash. Okay. Yep. And uh, it works really well, and that's really the only difference between, like, boondocking and 
like regular camping for me is just my privacy tent with my toilet. Uh, and then I also have a shower system that I have not tried yet. I bought it a while ago at REI and I haven't, I just haven't gotten around to trying it out yet. So is it one of those solar showers in a bag? It's not, it's called a geyser. And so basically what you do is you put two liters of cold water in it and then you put a liter of hot water. Like you actually boil water oh. on your stove. You put it all in there and it creates the perfect temperature for a shower. And then you just plug it into your solar generator to power it. And then it has a pump and it pumps out enough water for like a seven minute shower, which is more than enough for me. Oh, that's like, a long shower. That's a super long shower. Yeah. So uh, I have to try it out. I haven't gotten around to it yet. Maybe I'll try it out when I'm in Arizona this winter and, you know, we'll see how it goes. Awesome. Um, and then you, the other question you asked was around like what kind like how I find spots. Uh, there are a lot of apps out there. And one thing that I I think I've learned over the last, uh, you know, several months of doing this is that there isn't one specific app that has all the good spots. So sometimes you have to look around. Uh, right now, my go-to is iOverlander. I think that's probably the most well-known, uh, you know, finding finding a boondocking site app. Um, but there's a new one out there that I'm really excited about uh, that I've started using. And the thing I like about it is it's all about building community. Um, amongst other people that are living in vans mm. or school buses or RVs. Uh, it used to be called the Van Life app, and then they rebranded recently to Seeker, mm -hmm. and it's S-E-K-R with like a little like line above the E, so it's pronounced Seeker. The cool thing about it is, is not only can you find camp spots, but you can also find other people that may be near you. So oh. if you have your location services on on your phone, you can look around and be like, oh, there's like 10 other people that are in the area. Maybe I'll reach out to them, you know, and 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 see where they're at or if they have any recommendations. Uh, the other cool feature on this app, too, is you can actually leave like a review about like what the cell service signal is like. And you can actually say, I had one bar or I mm. had two bars and this is what service I use. It makes it a lot easier to like try and find places where you can get cell service. Mm -hmm. So those are the two primary ones that I use. Um, the third app that I use just for my own personal tracking is the Gaia GPS app. Uh, I keep a list of everywhere that I stay on this app so that like if I were to lose access to like iOverlander mm. or something else, I always have an offline map that has those places listed. So if I'm going to an area, I can be like, oh, okay, I, I'm really close to the spot that I camped at before. And can go check it out so okay. so yeah that's kind of my backup but those are the two main apps that I use okay yeah. so you use apps to find your places yeah. and um, and you have and you're set up with is it a four-wheel drive car that you have it's an all-wheel drive so not quite four-wheel but uh, all-wheel drive will get you pretty much anywhere you need to go okay yeah cool and have you done winter camping in it um, I have not done winter camping in the rooftop tent yet. I have camped in the winter, like backpacking, but mm -hmm. I haven't done anything in my car yet. Okay. Uh, there was actually, I take that back. Last October, I did, um, when I went to uh, Ben to go pick up that roof rack, mm -hmm. um, the guy I bought it off of, the company that he owns is in Bend, and I, I met him at his house and he installed the, the rack for me. And then that night, I camped in my friend's driveway about an hour south of okay. Bend. So and it was cold. Oh, okay. It was cold that night. Uh, it was it was October in Gilchrist, which is about an hour south of Bend, and it definitely dipped in. It, it dipped into probably the twenties that night. So okay. yeah, and I was sleeping inside my car at that point. I, oh, I had, you did. I had a different okay. setup. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
So Heather, you just mentioned Bend. Yeah. So let's talk about Descend on Bend. Uh, first of all, why don't you tell us what it is? So first off, Descend on Bend is a misnomer because it's not in Bend. Oh. Uh, it is about, I would say it's about an hour, about an hour away from Bend. Um, so it's actually closer to Lapine. Uh, so if any of you out there are familiar with where Lapine, Oregon is, uh, it's very close to Lapine. And, and you basically head down 97, Highway 97, and then you take Highway 31, which apparently I've lived in Oregon my whole life, and I didn't know that there was a place that existed called the Oregon Outback. Mm. And so it's a scenic byway for the Oregon Outback. And there is a place called Outback Station, and that it's a private property that butts up against Forest Service land. And so they rent out this guy's land at Outback Station, and you're literally driving through the sagebrush, and you find a spot to camp. Mm. So you, you pull in to, you know, they, they get you all set, like they check your registration, all that kind of stuff, and then you're just kind of in this line of vans. And so I had met a couple uh, from Cedro Willie Washington, Courtney and Dave. Uh, their uh, Instagram handle is Betty White the Van, and there's spaces in between each of the words. And they're two dogs, Bear and Doug. And I met them on Instagram and we decided to caravan in together. And so this is an event I've been wanting to go to for a few years. Last year was gonna be the year and then COVID happened. Mm. This year I decided that it was an outdoor event with plenty of opportunity for social distancing and that people wouldn't look at me weird if I did choose to wear a mask. Mm -hmm. um, I thought, I'm gonna, take a, I'm gonna take a risk. So we showed up, got in line with everybody else and then just kind of snaked our way through and they kind of, they do have an area where they want you to camp. Uh, and it's, it's probably, there's got to be at least, I don't know, like four acres of land there, maybe five acres of land that you can just like spread out. And so some people, how set, many people are there, Heather? Ooh, that's a good question. So we heard that there were over a thousand vans. <gasps> oh my God. And tw about 2,500 people. Wow. Cause you know, it's a family friendly event. So there were people okay. that were there with their kids. Um, there were couples, there were friends traveling together. There were solo travelers and, uh, yeah, it, it was bananas. Like you couldn't get a picture of everything. Like no matter, I tried a couple of times mm. to like really like gauge and show the enormity of how many people were there. Cause when we arrived, it was early in the day. I think it was about an hour after gates had opened. There were maybe, I don't know, it looked like maybe there were like a couple hundred vans. And then like by the time the next day rolled around, like the end of Friday, cause everybody arrives on Thursday, it was just enormous. Wow. And, and there was like definitely like this core group of people that were camped like very close to each other. And then there was like all of the rest of us that were kind of the outliers. Mm. And so like Courtney and Dave and I, Courtney and Dave and I, Courtney's a nurse. And so we had decided, Hey, we want to be away from people, but we want to be close enough that we can like ride our bikes over to like the main camp and like interact with people when we want. And so we ended up parking like what we thought was really far away turns out it was also the pathway to the showers oh so they had a shower building that people could go and like pay like five dollars and go take a shower and so it worked out really well for us because even though we were far away from everybody people were kind of coming by our camp and mm -hmm. so we got to say hi to people we got to talk to people and you know we'd see somebody riding we all had happened to have rad power bikes uh they're electric bicycles and we'd see somebody on a rad bike and we're like hey you've got a rad bike too i've got one you know and then that opens up a conversation that you can start having with somebody about like what that one thing that you have in common so 
Um, it was an amazing event. Um, it was very easy to social distance. Uh, there was one uh, point in the, like, one of the evenings I went over to the Maker's Market where you can, like, set up a tent, like, underneath this tent if you had, like, something that you were selling and you could sell whatever it was you were selling. It was really great. There were little kids selling their pictures that they had drawn. Oh, and, cool. And then there were people selling, like, really cool products, you know, like jewelry. And um, I bought a pound of coffee off of a coffee roaster from Mackenzie. I think he was from Mackenzie Bridge, Oregon. Um, and so... I went over there and there were a lot of people. And so I like, I masked up, you know, mm -hmm. nobody looked at me weird because I was masked up, but it was like something where like, I was like, there's a lot of people and everybody's really close to each other. So I'm going to wear a mask every night. There was music. So if I wanted to, I could have like partaken in that again, too many people for my comfort level. Uh -huh. So the beautiful thing about it was, is I was at my campsite and I could hear all the music that was, oh. that was happening every night. Um, and sometimes the music after the official music ended, then that's when the informal music started. And then you'd hear like all of these like conflicting like sounds <laughs> from like violins to like techno to like, you know, whatever. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. So they had music, any other kind of in a, in a marketplace, did they have workshops and stuff like that? There were some workshops that people could participate in if they had uh, paid, there was like a top tier where you got access to, I think there were like four special workshops that you could do. Like there was one on like, something on astronomy like like when you're out in the woods there was another one that was on I think like maybe like cast iron cooking or something it wasn't anything that I really wanted to participate in so I ended up going like mid-range on the so there's like two price three prices basically there's your basic which just gets you in it's I think it was a hundred bucks then there was like the mid-tier which I think was 150 and that got you a t-shirt um a pint cup like a stainless steel pint cup and then like a couple stickers and then the and then the like the other level I think was like two hundred dollars or two fifty or something and that included like all these workshops um it was primarily music in the evenings but then you know like, like there was a, a couple comedians that performed um and then you just never knew what you were going to come across if you went through somebody's camp you know okay. like there'd be people kind of circled up and then there'd be something going on there uh and so uh somebody did boudoir photos mm -hmm. so like they did they they have a bus and they do boudoir oh. photo shoots so you could sign up for that uh-huh uh there was uh somebody that was a hairstylist that was offering haircuts which yeah. is great for like the you know like the nomad community mm -hmm. like to be able to get a haircut there was a guy doing vinyl stickers so i took advantage of that um and so were there's like neighborhoods of like, you know, solos over here or an LGBT over here or any of that kind of like community neighborhoods type? I didn't see anything like that, but I think for next year, I definitely want to clear it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I'm already like researching, telescoping flagpoles, looking at getting a rainbow flag um, and like really kind of trying to create that space. Um, I would say like most things in Oregon, it wasn't as diverse as it could be but there were definitely people of color there were queer people um there were older people younger people i was families. wondering how like what the age range was because a lot of those van life people are they all seem to be in their 20s and 30s it ran the spectrum um i would say i saw just as many people who were probably in their 20s as i did like people that were older than that like 50s and 60s um, absolutely. Uh, there was one couple that I met, um, they were driving a converted ambulance. Mm -hmm. Super cool. Like the husband had done the whole conversion. They drove across the country to pick it up. 
and they were a retired couple. Okay. And so, and we ended up talking a lot. Like I, I started following them on Instagram because I want to keep in touch and they were from Dallas, Oregon. So not too far away from Portland. And, uh, yeah, I would say that it definitely ran the whole spectrum. I would say the majority of people were definitely in their twenties and thirties though. Okay. And then, and then like after that would be people in their forties and fifties and then maybe a smaller percentage of older people. But I definitely saw older like retirees. Okay. Sure. Yeah. And so as a solo person attending, you you did meet up with someone and went as a caravan together. Yes. Okay. So how do you think it would be if someone just showed up, descend on bend, a solo woman who maybe didn't know anybody? What would what do you think that would be like? I mean, my recommendation would be to find people that are planning to go and you can usually start figuring that out like pretty early on. One of the ways that I got some traction on that is I just tagged Descend on Bend in a post and then they reposted my posts and their stories and then I got people reaching out to me. Um, but if that's not something you're comfortable with, then I think you have to be open to just showing up and seeing what happens. Okay. Um, people are really kind and they're very helpful. So. We had a ton of people. There was this one spot where people were just getting stuck. And mm. and I'm talking the, the Volkswagen Synchros were getting stuck. There was a couple of Dodge Promasters that got stuck. A school bus got stuck. And people would just come out. You know, they'd have their Max tracks and they'd throw them under their tire and help people, like, figure out how to get out. They'd help dig them out if they, need, if they got super deep. And, and so it's just, it felt to me like one of those places where you literally could just show up and park and people would welcome you into the community, which okay. was really kind of cool to see that happen. Yeah. Okay. Because I think without any sort of scheduled events, you could feel really lost in a big community like that. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I would do is just take off on my bike. Mm. Uh, I highly recommend having a bicycle. Uh, there were a ton of e-bikes. Like, I would say... 80% of the bikes I saw were electric bicycles. Um, and, and some of that I think is just, they're becoming more popular, but also they're so useful in that kind of an environment, especially if you have a fat tire bike, because it was very, very, um, dusty. Mm -hmm. The, the soil was very dry. And so I would just go take off and go on a ride. And if sometimes people would be like, Hey, how's it going? Or Hey, cool bike. And then that, that's mm -hmm. an opening, right? Yeah. You start a conversation with that person. And so, um, you know, and the, the other thing too, is I'm also, in addition to being in a lesbian camping group on Facebook, I'm, I also have a Honda element camper and dweller group. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple people from that group that were there. And then we eventually found each other, you know, through various means. Um, some of it was just driving, riding around and looking for the elements. And there weren't that many, there were maybe, I think there were like five or six elements. And I met two of the people that had elements. And, um, and so then that also helps you create community. So I think anything you can do ahead of time to figure out who's going is going to help you in creating that community. I think my experience would have been a lot different if I hadn't met Courtney and Dave. Mm -hmm. And then we also had a third person join us or a third vehicle join us, um, Kimberly Ann, who she was on day three of full-time van life. Oh, brand new. Brand new. And, um, and she arrived and then didn't know how to find us. Cause uh -huh. like I had sent her the coordinates, like I'd sent her the GPS coordinates, but like that really 
didn't help and so she finally found us and then she figured out how to get over to where we were and she drove over and we helped her get set up helped her get her awning set up and things like that and she was having some stove troubles so Dave and I well Dave mostly um, helped her figure that out and stuff so yeah everyone helps each other and I yeah. just I, I think I that's the thing I really like about the van life meetups is that people just kind of look out for each other and share and stuff so have you been to other van life meetups I have not. That was my first one. Okay. And then last week I actually went to another meetup here in Portland um, for a startup that is trying to create van villages. Mm. So they are basically taking the idea of an RV, like campground, but catered to van lifers. And so they have been doing these focus groups on, you know, like as a van lifer, what would you want in a space like that? People help each other, and I really mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah. seems yeah. like there you can find community out there. Yeah, uh, I still think it's hard to find community when you're traveling solo. Sometimes, mm -hmm. if you're not, like, I don't know how to put it. I guess if you're not, like, I'm an extrovert, and so for me, it's really easy to meet people and just strike up random conversations with people. But I think if you're not sure about people or you know, another thing that I think uh, some of us worry about is people's politics. Like, you know, you never know who you're talking to and what their politics might be and if that person is a safe person um, to talk to. And so being at Descend on Bend, um, it felt like it was a safe space, mm -hmm. you know, and like people were very open. Like when I was talking with Thad about, yeah, I want to have this vinyl sticker that's for traveling while butch. And this is why, because... I'm consistently getting mis misgendered when well, I'm out and about. Yeah, I'm going to interrupt you there for a minute because actually that was the next thing I wanted yeah. to bring up here was your, it's, it's right now it's Instagram, but you're hoping to start a website yep. called Traveling While Butch. Yep. So tell us all about it, like what, what the instigation of that was and what you're hoping to do with that. Yeah, so like I was saying, I am consistently misgendered. Uh, just yesterday, I was getting my oil changed, and uh, I went to the the dealership where I always ha take my car to get the oil changed, and uh, the guy at the service counter was like, hey, so-and-so, can you help? And then he got stuck. Mm -hmm. He got stuck, because he's like, oh shit, is this a woman, a man? Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And um, and I kind of gave him a little shit about it. I, I just was like, uh, person, human being, like, yeah. and, and he came over and he apologized. I was like, look, man, I'm just giving you a bad time. Like, I know that that was not your intent and I know it's hard and, and all of that. But I was like, there are other ways you can refer to people as people and not by sir or ma'am or he could have just said customer. Right. Hey, can you help this other customer over here? Yeah. Like he could have done that. And so that really I would say the thing that really kind of triggered a lot of this was two years ago I was in uh, India and I was um, taking it I had my camera out and I was making this video of this beautiful hotel in Mumbai and it's a very famous hotel and I you know I had my camera out and I was talking about oh this is the you know Taj, Taj it's called the Taj Hotel it's in Mumbai very famous and you see this woman coming into the corner of the screen right at me and I put my phone down but kept recording and her whole thing was you know you look like a man and I was like yeah I know I, I really don't need you to tell me that you know because <laughs> you know I've traveled around the world and oftentimes people will give you a lot of unsolicited 
like comments and it's cultural it's not it's not because they want to cause harm or anything like that it's just how the culture is and she was like no 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 it's okay and i'm like i and i was just like i don't want to have this conversation with you lady like i'm done and so i've really thought about that and like what like being more like butch presenting or soft i consider myself a soft butch um and and what that means and how i have to navigate the world so hopefully the idea behind this website is to share like travels that i've been on um strategies that i use i mean going to the bathroom it's always a challenge you know i never know like what kind of look i'm gonna get from somebody um, you know, cause oftentimes I'm wearing a baseball cap and I've got short hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a lot of times, and I wear more masculine kind of clothes, you know, and you just never know what some, somebody's going to think, um, when you go into the bathroom or like if I'm in Texas and going to the bathroom, like yeah. I've had that happen before where I like get all these looks from these women and it's just like, do I really need to like flash you to like show you that I'm a woman? <laughs> and also why should it matter? Why should it matter what bathroom I'm using? Like, why should it matter? I mean, hell, I've been to a bazillion Indigo Girls concerts and we've commandeered the men's bathrooms, you know? So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm hoping to do with this whole idea of like traveling while butch is to kind of share my experience as I navigate the world and, and maybe provide some strategies for people of like how to, how to deal with those encounters. Because I think a lot of times, sometimes this stuff just catches you off guard. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, Heather, thanks so much for coming on. Is there anything you wanted to bring up that I didn't get to ask you about? No, other than I think, uh, you know, for anyone who's thinking about this life, I think it's super important to, like, try it out and see if you like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think sometimes people get this romanticized idea of what, like, van life is like or, like, being on the road full time. And I think it can be... It can be hard. Like, yeah. you're oftentimes like, okay, where am I going to sleep tonight? Mm-hmm. You know? And, like, if you're on the Oregon coast, there's hardly any place to boondock. So then it's like, okay, where can I find a campground that's not going to, like, cost 40 bucks for the night? Or that park. isn't full in Or Oregon. that isn't full. Yeah, exactly. And so I think um, doing research, talking to people, listening to podcasts like this where you're mm-hmm. hearing other people's views and ideas about, like, how to do this. Uh, I think that's like the best advice I can give to anybody and try it out. Like you can try it out. You can rent a van on outdoorsy or you could rent a RV from cruise America and like, give it a try and see if it's for you. So that's what I would recommend for people. All right. Well, thank you. So Heather, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram right now at, uh, traveling wild butch. And that's the best place to find me at the moment. All right. Great. Well, thanks so much, Heather. And I look forward to seeing you out there on the road. Yeah. I want to thank Heather again for being a guest. We actually conducted that interview inside of Squeaky, which was a lot of fun. Here are my key takeaways from Heather. Bring a portable potty. Hey, human poop bags. Why not? Number two, Facebook Marketplace is a great place for our van lifers and RVers. You don't need to go broke getting great camping gear. And number three, her favorite apps for boondocking, iOverlander, Seeker, and the Gaia GPS app. And number four, if you're heading to a meetup or a van life gathering, connect with a few folks online beforehand so you won't feel all alone when you get there. So thanks again for listening to another episode of Travels with Squeaky. 
You can find more content for solo women, RVers, and campers over at travelswithsqueaky.com. And if you like what you've heard today, please consider leaving a review, subscribing, or sharing with a friend. It really helps us, and it means a lot. Travels with Squeaky theme music is Field Station by Nicole Potolsky. And if there's a topic you'd like us to see covered, please email us at info at travelswithsqueaky.com. So until next time, I'll see you out there on the road. <laughs>